0: As we walk out the journey of life, we each begin to thirst for something more. We want more than just life the way we know it. It's a thirst for more peace, more fulfillment, more purpose. That was God's plan all along. Since the ancient times, he has made promises that he will quench that thirst, and the promises he made long ago are the same promises he has made for us today. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? The joy in this beautiful fall day? Yeah, I love the fall. I love the leaves. I went to New York uh, a couple weeks ago to uh, do something with uh, Joyce Meyer Ministries, where I used to work, and as we were flying over the over the landscape, getting ready to land. The trees were so gorgeous up there. I mean, I thought it was pretty here, but it was a whole nother level up there. And uh, it's my favorite season of the year. But one of my favorite things to do is do what we're doing right now. So it's a pleasure to see all of you. If you're a guest with us this morning, uh, happy that you're here. Hope that you uh, enjoy today and that you feel welcome here and that you can be yourself. But more importantly, that uh, you just get a sense of the love and presence of God in this place. And we pray for you all throughout the week and that You can walk out of here different than when you came in, and that's true for everybody. And uh, we are in the fourth week of our series entitled Four Cups, in which we've been discussing the four core promises that God has made to us, to all of humanity, and those promises are the promise of salvation, the promise of deliverance or freedom from what we struggle with in our lives, the promise of redemption or restoration for us, and the promise of fulfillment. And last week, we talked about deliverance, and we talked about deliverance in the the theme of uh, being freedom, that God wants to set us free from everything that we struggle with. We have freedom this way with God, 100% vertically, but freedom while we're here on earth, the things that we struggle with, the things that tend to, um, you know, bind us up, maybe it's an addiction, maybe whatever the case may be, we all have something, and God desires that we be set free from it. And not that we have to do it on our own, but he empowers us to live that free life. Because our heart for every person in our church and every person that comes through the door is to see them saved, delivered, redeemed, and fulfilled, and help them move from wherever they are as they walk in to where God wants them to be. And so we're excited. We're going to jump in this week to cup number three, the cup of redemption. And this may be uh, a little bit interesting. Some of you say, well, I thought that salvation and redemption were the same thing. In salvation, yes, we are redeemed. God has has brought us back to himself. But when we think of this word redemption, I want you to think of the word restoration. And the idea that God did not just save you from sin, but he saved you for a purpose. There is a contribution on the inside of you that God put to make to this world and to make to his kingdom. And his heart for you is to see you find what that is and use it while you're here on earth. Guess what? God never sent Jesus to save us to come and sit in a church on Sunday mornings. Did you know that? Our purpose in life is not to do this once a week and to hear somebody speak to us and sing a few songs and raise our hands. It's good. It's where we come together to celebrate what God has done, but there are gifts and talents on the inside of us, and God is building his kingdom, and he saved us, and he has restored us back to that place to use us in this world. And so what I would like for you to do is to go with me again to Exodus chapter 6, Verses 6 and 7, that's been the foundational passage for us throughout this uh, series. And as you turn there in your Bibles or your, your phones, your tablets, whatever the case may be, again, just a little bit of history and context. The Israelite people who we're reading about, they've been in slavery for 430 years. Um, their, their moms, their grandmas, their great-grandmas, they all have been in slavery. That's all they know, and they've cried out to God to ask Him to deliver them. And God has said, I will do that. And he chose a man named Moses to lead them out uh, from being slaves from the Egyptian people. And God's having a conversation with Moses. And this is what he tells him he's going to do. He says this. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people. I will be your God then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for everything that you're doing and everything that you've done. We just give you praise for how beautiful the leaves are outside. It's your creation. And we just thank you for that we can come here this morning and we can celebrate all these things. And I just ask you that you would help me to speak this message, God, in a way that is clear and concise and that we would see something and hear something we've never heard before because of the Holy Spirit showing us. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. How many of you are on Pinterest? Um, And the reason I ask is, nobody's really excited about Pinterest. I'm not either, but anyway. (laughs) Uh, but anyway, the big craze out there is this DYI movement, right? Do-it-yourself movement where everybody's doing all these crazy things. And there's a big push to restore stuff. How many of you restored a piece of furniture or restored a vehicle or restored anything? You know, if you restore something, you are you're taking what has been used and abused in a lot of cases and would either go to the trash can, but now it finds its way into your garage. And in my case, I bought all these fruit cart uh, things, cases that were wooden about two years ago because I saw this coffee table thing that I wanted to make and uh, so I didn't have a big enough garage so I put it in my dad's garage and I said hey dad I'm going to uh, use your garage to build this thing and so periodically I would go over there and I would sand um, and if you know me you know I'm not very good with my hands but I would sand down these fruit crates and I painted them and then I got busy and I left them there for like nine months I didn't do anything with them. I did not restore them. Uh, and eventually I used the crates and Carl Weiss was great enough to uh, finish the project for me and build me a coffee table that's in my office today. But anyway, this, this process of restoring something is, is a unique thing. And it's, it seems to be all the, all the craze right now is find an old piece of furniture and restore it and make it look cool. You know what I mean? But what's really neat is this whole process of restoration is, you know, you can't restore something that hasn't first been created. Right when you create something brand new, there's no restoration about it. It's a brand new creation, right? And God created all of us brand new. We are a unique creation that God made us to be. And God created us. We came into the world, and because of sin, we uh, were used and abused in some ways. Sometimes by people, but our thought processes got messed up, our behavior got messed up, and then so this idea of restoration—it's God, the one who's doing the restoration and restoring us back to the original intent. And purpose for which He created us, and you say the word redeemed. What does the word redeemed mean? I just want to go through some questions this morning, answer them, and then we'll have an awesome day for the rest of the day. The questions are this: What is redemption? Why did God redeem us? And how do we really partake of this cup of rep, of redemption? You know, how do we how do we we walk that out in our life? So, what does redemption mean? Very simply put, it means to buy back, uh, to repurchase, to change for the better reform, uh, means to repair or restore. And really, the definition I want us to work with today is this. In my study, one of the pastors I was listening to, he took redemption and he put it in this context. He said, redemption is God enabling us to do what he created us to do. Being Walking out and living a redeemed life is walking in this idea and this process of God re- enabling you to do what he created you to do. And he's the only one that can do it. He's the only person that can take you and restore you right to how he created you to be so that you can live in this earth and find your purpose and serve him. You know, they estimate that 80% of people that sit in a church today have no idea why they're on earth. 80%. That's just an estimation based on some statistics. 80% of people are coming in and out of church week in, week out, not knowing what God wants them to do other than I know I should come to church, right? I know I should, I should give in the offering. I know that I should, I should volunteer somewhere. I, I, I know that these are good things. But beyond that, the reason why you're here, to what is the gift on the inside of me? What is it that I have to, to contribute? 80% of people, that's huge. So what does that mean? That means that the majority of people in their walk with Christ never get beyond the fact that God saved me. They never move beyond the fact that, yes, you saved me. And, and that's a great thing. But there's so much more that God wants to do in us with the knowledge of his salvation, right? Salvation is the greatest miracle. We talked about that. We'll never move beyond that. I'm talking about living our life from the foundation of being set free from the penalty and the punishment of sin and being in right standing with God, that moving forward, experiencing the freedom that we talked about yesterday, and then finding what is it in me that you've called me to do. You know, the Israelite people were in slavery for 430 years. And you know what they did for 430 years? They made bricks. Literally, it's what they did. They were a labor force for the Egyptian empire. And they made bricks, and they stacked bricks in certain forms and shapes to make buildings. It's what they did for 430 years. And then God takes them out of Egypt, right, they're in, they're in the process of getting to the promised land. And if you read the book of Exodus, the beginning of Exodus is them coming out. The rest of the book of Exodus, and I just finished reading it um, for my, my daily reading plan. It took me longer than my plan said that I should to read it. But the rest of the book of Exodus is God building his, his temple. He's giving them instructions on how they should do it, and then he's empowering people to do it. So the rest of the book of Exodus is God building a church, assembly, essentially. Essentially building the temple as we know about it in the Old Testament. And what's so amazing about that is, is he took these people that were making bricks for 430 years, all right? He sets them free, saves them from slavery. As they're going through the process of the wilderness, he's getting the Egypt out of them, right? He took them out of Egypt, now he's getting the Egypt out of them. And part of that is he is showing them and teaching them there are gifts and talents on the inside of you that I long to use for my purpose to build my kingdom, to build my church. You'll read about it. These people went from making bricks. To now they're working with precious stones. And precious metals. And they're, they're creating these fabrics. And weaving them together. And creating these beautiful tapestries. And they're making beautiful ornate uh, pieces of, of you know, like plates and cups. And just amazing things as you read. It's, it's so different. It's from here bricks. Now they are like master builders. It's incredible. And here's the thing. What I want us to see today is, is that God wants to take us from this spot of not knowing what we are able to do, not knowing that we have a contribution to make. How many of you have just done things mindlessly? You do it over and over and over again, and you wonder why, but you know that there's more to life, like there's more in you that you have to contribute. God wants to take that desire that you have, that you know there's more in you, and he wants to bring you to the other side of it and allow you to begin to use it for his kingdom. First, we've got to see how did God God redeem these people? What did he do? He said, I will redeem them in two ways, with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. Here's this picture that's really beautiful. An outstretched arm. God is telling these people, I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. So literally this picture of God stooping down, reaching his arm down to rescue these people. David talked about this in Psalm 18. He said this, verse 35. He said, you gave me your shield of victory, and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. This picture of God stooping down with an outstretched arm to rescue these people from slavery for 430 years. And the picture I want you to get this morning is, is that God not only did that for these people, but in Jesus, God stooped down to the earth with his son to redeem us and rescue us from sin. And then it says, with mighty acts of judgment. And you say that may sound, that kind of sounds contradictory to the outstretched arm. See, God, when he did it with mighty acts of judgment, he was not judging the Israelite people. He was judging the enemy of those people, which were the Egyptians. He did not judge them. And when God stooped down with an outstretched arm with Jesus to rescue us, he did not judge us. He judged the enemy of our soul, which was sin. And he did that in the person of Jesus Christ. So he reaches down. Jesus is literally that arm that God reached down to the earth with to rescue us. And then he judged all sin, past, present, and future, in the body and the person of Jesus Christ. Why? So that we could live a life of freedom and restoration and experience true fulfillment in our relationship with him. And the question is, why would God do that? Why would God do that for people that continually and on purpose did the wrong thing. People that continually turn their backs to him, people that continually do the wrong thing over and over again. How many of you know somebody that you've tried to help and they continually do the, th- the thing that you're telling them not to do over and over and over again, right? It is frustrating and by the end of it, you have no reason and no desire to help them whatsoever. Your biggest plan for their life is to suffer the consequences for their actions, right? Right? Just say, if that's the way you want to live, live it. I'm done. I'm tired. But not God. He decides with an outstretched arm and with Jesus. And the question is why. I want us to go to Ephesians chapter 2. This is what it says in verses 8 through 10. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation, a 100% gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. It's not a reward. So, none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Some of you may have heard that verse and heard the word workmanship. You've heard that? So, we are God's workmanship. This translation uses the word masterpiece, and it's a beautiful word. So why would God do what he did in Jesus, giving us this free gift? We just read salvation is a free gift. It's not a reward. What does that mean? We cannot earn it, all right? Why would he do this? Because it says that we are God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. You know, the word masterpiece in the Greek is the word poema, and I probably just crazy pronounced it bad. But it's the word poema. And the reason I say that is because it's where we get our English word poem. How many of you like poetry? Not many hands. (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of poetry. Not because I, I think it's bad. I just haven't got into it much. But a poem is really a beautiful work of art right? It's someone that has thought about every single word that they're saying. There is rhyme and rhythm and there's meaning contained within so many verses. Some people can communicate in a poem what it takes a novelist 300 pages to lay out. It is a work of art. It is a creation. And what God is saying about you and me is that we are his masterpiece. We are his poem. How many of you have little kids? Right? or grandkids, or nieces, or nephews, and they go to school, or they go to Sunday school here, or class, whatever, and then they bring you their artwork, and they show it to you, and you're like, oh man, that's great, but on the inside, you're like, that is horrible, right? They didn't, really? They didn't color in the lines, there's no continuity, there's nothing about it that you could put up on the wall, and someone would say, that kid's talented, Maybe you have a genius, right? Maybe you have a kid that is incredibly talented. But the majority of their stuff, you like it because it's cute, because they did it, right? But think about your three-year-old's piece of art, and I say three-year-old because I have a three-year-old, versus a Picasso or a Michelangelo or a Van Gogh, right? The moment you hear those words, Michelangelo, Picasso, Van Gogh, those names, instantaneously, whether you've ever seen a painting or a work of art by those people, you know that it's good right? It's considered a masterpiece. It's considered classic. It is timeless. From the time that you can remember to when we pass away, people have been talking about Michelangelo and those people, and they still will. So when God says that you're a masterpiece, he's not saying that you're the equivalent of your little child's work of art that they bring to you, and he says, oh, that's cute you did it, I'm proud. No, God is the creator and God says, you are a Michelangelo, you are a Picasso, you are a Van Gogh. You are a masterpiece because I created you, not because of what you did for me. Do you get that? He's the artist, he's the sculptor, he's the one that looks at a chunk of rock and then a statue of David comes out. And when they asked the guy who did that, how did that, how did you do that? How did you create that? He said, it was always there. I just took off the pieces that didn't need to be there. And so when you ask yourself, God, how could you ever use me? How are you going to you know, work my life out and work through my issues to use the gift and the talent that I believe in me? And God says, it was always there. I just strip away the things that didn't need to be there. Because everything that God will do in your life and use in you, he put in you from when you were created. Well, how do you know that? Let's go to Psalms 139. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It says this, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. This is David writing. And I love the word that he uses. He says, You've, you, some passages say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, right? But he says, your workmanship is, is marvelous. That word workmanship is almost the exact same word as the word for masterpiece in the Greek. It's in the Hebrew. It's a little more descriptive, but it's still speaking of the same thing, a creation, a work, something that was fashioned and formed by somebody. And he goes into great detail saying that all of these things that I am experiencing in my life today You saw when no one else saw, and you just didn't see it, and you just didn't watch it happen. You got down in the business of it, and you formed me and shaped me, and every single day of my life was laid out. Every step that I would take before I had taken, every talent, every gift was all there before any of it happened. That's how God can restore, because he created You, each and every one of you sitting here today, God created you and formed you and fashioned you and put in you the gifts and the talents and the great things that you would do. He already sees them. It's not a mystery to him. It's only a mystery to us. He put it in you. And he wants to just strip away the things that you've collected along the way of your life. The negative Self-images, the harsh words that people have spoken over you that have taken your self-confidence and then pushed it to the floor. The bad things that you've done and the weight that you carry with you as you have walked through life, God comes along and he strips those things away from us and he restores us right back to the original creation that he created us to be. He deals with our mindsets, he deals with our... You know, our emotions, all of those things, not in an effort to condemn you, but in an effort to make you live a fulfilling life. He doesn't want you to be part of the 80% who have no idea. He wants you to know. And that's the beautiful thing. And that's part of why this, this four cups, this journey that we've been talking about, it's a process by where he does it 100% in Jesus eternally, right? It's done. And then you start walking through that process where little by little, he, he picks it away and he experiences freedom. And you walk through the freedom of something and you're one step closer to really finding out what that is and who you are. And, and, and granted, there will always be something that we're dealing with, right? Because God is so patient and he's so perfect and he's so loving and so kind and he deals with us and he brings it into the light so that we can see it. And so going forward, I want to give us some steps. So what do we do? How do we really partake of this cup? How do we drink from this cup of restoration and really really live our lives in an effort of walking in the direction of really finding out what God has put in us? How do we come into the realization that we are a Picasso, a Van Gogh, or a Michelangelo and not a, a coloring page that has all these colors all over it out of the lines and there's, it's irrecognizable? Well, we have to do this. Number one, we need to believe that we have a gift. Believe that you have a gift. Believe that God created you as a masterpiece and he put something in you. In fact, 1 Peter 4.10 says this. says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So if you ever needed scripture to, f- to believe that you have a gift. Here you go, First Peter 4.10. Write it down and read it every day until it gets a part of you. God has given each of you a gift. Each of you a gift from his vast supply of gifts. He's given you a gift. And it all begins with believing that you have value, believing that it's in you, believing that you are that masterpiece. Because if you don't believe it, you're not really going to live it. Right? We talked about last week, where does change begin? Inside. And then it comes outside, right? It starts in our heart. God deals with our heart. He changed our heart in Jesus. Then he said we'd be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And then the outside changes. Our actions begin to change. But we want it to change the other way around, right? We want to think we can start externally and it'll make its way internally. But it's got to begin on the inside. And believing is an inside thing. And you can ask God, help me believe that I have a gift. Once you believe that you have a gift... Then you can start the process of discovering your gift, finding out what it is. Some people say, well, my job will tell me what it is. Hey, that's part of the process. You're right. Doing your work will help you begin to see maybe the things that you're good at. I don't know about you, but I've I've had a variety of jobs, and each job has helped me see something that I want to do or it's told me something that I did not want to do, right? That's more the case. You go to work there, I do not, me, I was a dishwasher. I started out, I do not want to wash dishes the rest of my life, right? Then I became a cook. I do not want to be a cook the rest of my life. I learned very valuable things along the way. I waited tables. I do not want to wait tables the rest of my life, but I worked. But I, I found things about each job that I liked, something that taught me something. Then from waiting tables, I went to selling appliances, and, uh, and then I sold appliances for for no hourly wage, and on 100% commission. And that taught me that I don't want to do that, but it really taught me how to trust God. Because I never knew what I was going to make. I did that in college. And then I worked in a call center. And I said, I don't want to be on the phones the rest of my life. And then I became a supervisor, and was leading a group of people, and it was like, boom. Man, I could could do this. I, I like this piece of it. I love communicating with people. I love... I love uh, seeing the vision and helping people go towards something. And then I began to think about it, and I realized that every job that I had had, especially dealing with people, was preparation for that moment, right? I was waiting tables. you got to be able to communicate. I was, I was cooking you know, in a restaurant. You have to be able to communicate and deal with multiple streams of voices hitting you at one time, wanting things. And then I you know selling appliances and especially selling appliances for no hourly wage it contends upon it 's contingent upon how well you communicate. I begin to learn that hey, I have to be able to communicate clearly and concisely i got to cut the fat you know what i mean i 've got to tell them what 's most important and I then leading on the call center, answering phone calls, you know what I mean communicating with people over and over and over and over again. It was all this 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 process and when you begin to look backwards and peel away the layers, you you begin to see that you were learning and and discovering, you know, what that is on the inside of you. And then once you discover it and you get an inkling of it, then you have to start to pursue it, right? And that's when it becomes kind of difficult I think for us is because once we really find out what we're good at, sometimes we're entrenched in a in a position in a job that we don't like but we're comfortable because of the amount of money that we make or or whatever is afforded to us and there's a level of risk involved and, and it's just, it, it, it becomes cloudy. And a lot of us, I think, we just, we just do things because we've always done them and this is not a, um, a guilt thing, it's just a reality. I've been there. We just do it because we've always done it and we wonder how do I even begin to discover what's on the inside of me? We, we have a, a process here that it's not, it's not perfect. It's not like the greatest thing since sliced bread. But it's just a process that helps people take the next step. It helps people who are stuck on the 80% become part of the 20% who know what they're called for. And it's called growth track. And we have growth track every week at 10.30. And week three, it's discovery 301. It's a process that will help you begin to discover what you're good at. You'll take a brief personality test. Why is it important to know what personality type I am? Because it will help you see why you don't like the person you sit next to at work. No, it will help you begin to understand a little bit better why you think the way you think, why you see the world the way you see the world, and why that there are different, like why we're different. And once you understand that we all have different gifts and talents and different personalities, it becomes a lot easier just to live with people. And you begin to, it helps you really do this. It helps you value people. Because you begin to value the differences in people rather than reject and complain and wish that they were like you. Because if everyone was like me, I'll tell you right now, we wouldn't get anything done. Because I am so big picture, so get you fired up and go out, and then it comes to the details, and it makes my heart beat really fast. Details are hard for me. So God has put people in my life that are extremely good at details and asked me the detailed questions to help me think about things that I didn't think about. You know? But it's just this process of discovering what it is on the inside of us and that God made us unique. And, and we're, no one, no two people are the same, right? Even if you have the same personality type, which Lauren and I do. Like, we're very close, but we're very different. Very different. So discover it. And if you've never even taken an opportunity to find out what that is, start there. Take a brief personality test, and then we have a spiritual gifts test where you can just take it, and it'll ask you some questions. And again, it's not... Pinpoint accuracy, but it's pretty close. It'll just help you begin to discover. Because if you're just gonna, if you have the mindset of, I'm just gonna sit in the seat, or sit in the car, or sit in my house, and God's just gonna drop it in me, and then I'll know. You're probably gonna be waiting a long time. God can, don't get me wrong. He can, he can do anything. But there's this process where we have to take some steps, right? I didn't learn how to cook by standing in front of the grill and just praying, all right, God, give me the ability to cook. I don't want training, I don't want to listen, I'm just going to stand here until I can do it. It didn't happen that way. He put people in my life to teach me, and he helps me, right? He helped me be able to do it, but there was a process of me, I got got to play a little role here. I got to take a step towards, yeah, I'm going to find out, I'm going to discover. And then once you discover, here's the amazing thing, once you discover your design, it'll reveal your destiny. Once you find out why you see the world the way you see the world, why you, you react the way you do, and the gifts you have, you'll see the, the more clearly the destiny that God has for you. Because when you read Scripture and when you participate in church, you're going to be doing it from an understanding of who you are. It's all rooted in who you are in Christ, but really it's going to help you more. And you realize that, hey, there is so much more to life than coming to church and sitting in the seat every week and just receiving We all need to receive, but you can begin to do. The people who come and just sit week after week after week experience lower levels of fulfillment than those who go out and use what God is doing in them. And I'm not saying you have to use it within the context of this church exclusively, but just wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, you can allow God to begin to work through you and you really see that God is with you everywhere you go. He doesn't live here. He does not live at Faith Community Church. This is not his address. You want to know what his address is? Your heart. Wherever you go, he is. And he's longing to use you to reach somebody, to impact his kingdom, to build his church. He built a physical church in the Old Testament. In the New Testament with Jesus, he's building his kingdom worldwide. And we're all part of that. And he wants you to use it. So the next thing is, once you discover it, then you can start to develop it. You can start to to work in an area or do something with your life that is helping you develop that gift. You know, we have musicians here on the stage, Shelby. They didn't just overnight, all right, I have a gift of music, and then the next day play on stage or sing a certain way. There is a process that you have to go through in developing and understanding what that is and what that looks like. Michelangelo didn't create anything overnight. The Sistine Chapel wasn't created in one day. It took a long, long time to do that. It's a process. And I think the process is one of the things that we really struggle with in life because we want it now. Okay? My gift is communication. I'm going to be the greatest communicator tomorrow. No, it's this, it's this process that we go through. I've known for myself for a long time that God gave me an ability to communicate. I believed that. But you know what? I was not a great communicator right off the bat. Think I had some talent and ability, but if some of you here would remember sermons that I preached when I was eighteen, you're probably thinking, "Wow, yeah, he's gotten better." <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I haven't gotten worse. But I, I look back, and I even look at back at my preparation and all of those, and how much time I put in, and how much I respected, you know, the opportunity and all of that. And I've grown so much because there's been a process of development that God has taken me through. But you know, it's just a process. Allow God to develop it in you. typically masterpieces are never created overnight, right? So God created you as a masterpiece, and this process of restoration or restoring you back to that is going to be a journey. So embrace the journey. Embrace the process and see what God can do. And the last one is this, is just use it. Use it. We're going to talk more about that next week, about using your gift, and the band can, can come back. Is using it and really finding that fulfillment in your relationship with God. That is uh, unfortunate because, you know, that most people don't know. 80% of people don't really know. Well, I don't, I don't really know. And, they're, and they're, they love the Lord. They love Jesus. They love coming to church. They love all of that. But they, just that piece of them on the inside is kind of like, yeah, I, I don't know really why I'm here. I just, I just come and do my thing, and then I go. And my heart for, for this church, and when I say church, I'm in people. is is that we can really come into an understanding of, number one, of who we are in Christ. What did Jesus do for us? Who is Jesus? And we'll be captivated by that all the time. And then, okay, Jesus, this is what you did for me. Now what do you want to do through me? This is what you did in me. Now what do you want to do through me? What gifts, what talents, what areas are there for me just to go and do? You know, in the society in which we live in today, we value and put greater emphasis on certain things. And a lot of us spend a majority of our life wishing that we were somebody else, right? We wish and desire that we could be like this person we see on TV. We wish and desire that we could be like the person next to us who is, whose gift and talent is so um, public that we're like, man, I could, I could never do that. And so our lives are spent in an effort of... of being unsatisfied with who we are and longing to be someone that we're not. That's exhausting. I don't know about you. I've spent some good time there, wishing I were somebody else, wishing I looked like somebody else, wishing I had the physical structure as somebody else, but wishing that I could be and do what someone else can do. And I've even pursued areas where uh, of, of that trying to be somebody else and I find frustration because I find that I'm not good at those things that I'm not I'm not created to do that that, that my masterpiece journey is, is not even in the same ballpark as that but there's something amazing happens that when you come to the realization that okay I'm not that and that's okay even though society says that is greater God what have you, whatever you've given me I want to embrace that and I want to do that because what society celebrates in a big way, they also criticize in a big way too. I don't know if you've noticed that. We want fame, we want, we want all these things, the, the talent that'll take us there, but then when we, people get there, they don't realize the level of, of, uh, of criticism and, and all that that comes with it. And, and why, why, Josh, why are you saying that? Because I'm saying this. I'm saying it because that if you pursue something that you're not, and you don't have the gifting for it, and if you get to wherever you thought you wanted to go, the level of, of stress and pressure and all of that that comes with it is going to destroy you. It's going to crush you. But when you can proceed from a foundation of being confident, confident in, not just in, in your ability, but confident in who you are, confident in the fact that God put this on the inside of me, God is the one who is restoring me, I didn't fight to get here and I don't have to fight to stay here. I'm restored by him, not by me. It's a beautiful place to live. You know, I, in this position that I'm in as pastor of this church, I'll tell you one thing. I didn't fight to get here, not at all. I'm not fighting to stay here. God put me here. I'll tell you this, my resume does not work out. On paper, I should not be the pastor of this church by any stretch of the imagination. You look at my resume and you say, yeah, I agree. But you know what? God brought me here, I believe. I really do. God brought me here. I believe that with all my heart. And God's gonna keep me here as long as he wants me to be here and be obedient to him. And I say that to say this. God has brought you to wherever you're at in your life. And God does not want you to fight. He does not want you to claw. He does not want you to stress out all the time to be somebody that you're not. Just allow yourself to be who you are in him and ask him, what do you want me to do? What is, the, what is the masterpiece journey for me? That's the biggest question that I have this morning. If you can bow your heads. So want I ask you this morning. I want to pray for you and ask you the question, what is it in your life that you're trying to be that you know deep down inside you'll never be because God didn't put it in you? What is that thing Whatever that thing is, I just, want you to, I just want you to let it go. And then I want you to ask the question this. I want you to ask God, God, what is it that you have for me? What is that, what is that gift? What is that talent? What is that, that thing for me that you've created me to do? What do you want to restore me to? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you because he'll show you. i pray for you. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're such a good father and that we are your masterpiece. You saw each and every one of us in the depths of the earth when we were in our mother's room when, when nobody even knew who we were. You, you saw us and you formed us and you shaped us and you began to, to, to put in us the things that you would draw out of us at a later date. So I just ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to help every person in this room to experience you in a way that Allows, uh, allows you to restore them and they can find what it is that you've put in them and they would be open to it. And I just thank you God that in you there is no fear, there is no worry, there is no anxiety, there's full acceptance because we are your beloved in Jesus. One more question. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I would love to make the decision to follow Jesus. I want to know who he is. I want to make him the Lord of my life. I, I want to experience full and complete change and transformation of my life. I want to turn from the way I live and just experience him. If, if you're here this morning, I want you to shoot up your hand. i love the opportunity to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray for, pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for individuals that raised their hand and said, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to change my life. I thank you, God, that they just responded to the faith that's erupted in their heart because of the Holy Spirit that you are coming on the inside of them and giving them a new heart, changing their life. You're becoming their Savior and you're becoming their Lord. And I thank you that they'll live the rest of their life following you. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to continue to show them Jesus because when they see him, they'll never be the same. In your name we pray. Everybody said,